Some bonds last a lifetime. Some bonds inspire confidence. And some you grow to rely on. These are the bonds worth investing in. For nearly 50 years, PIMCO has reinvented fixed income to create opportunities for investors in every market environment. So no matter what happens, you can build the bonds that mean the most to you. PIMCO, a global leader in active fixed income. Learn more at PIMCO.com bonds. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Consult your investment professional before investing. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money here. Because my job is not just to entertain, but to educate and put it all in perspective. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Now, I've been warning you that investors have been way too cavalier about this coronavirus and that it would weigh on us like an anvil until China gets control over the outbreak. And that's exactly what happened today. Dow slipping 170 points, giving it the longest losing streak since August. S&P dropping 0.90% and the Nasdaq falling 0.93%. Remember what history teaches us. It's that the averages could go lower still if the authorities don't put a lid on this epidemic. In the end, this market wants answers, and the Chinese government is not being forthcoming about how this disease is contracted or how it can be treated, if at all. While public health officials are adamant that China's handling the coronavirus uh, better than they handled SARS, which, of course, one, almost one-tenth of the people who got SARS died. Well, i got to tell you, that's a pretty low bar. And all of the positive commentary about the Chinese transparency over there, it reminds me, again, don't trust mainstream media on China. They're almost always too positive and therefore wrong. We keep discovering whole new places where more deaths occurred when we thought that it wasn't happening. Now, going into next week, this illness could eclipse the many earnings stories that we have coming up because it is a big week. It's one of the biggest of the year. Uh, And it's a week where I try to get no sleep. That's right. No sleep. Although now that I've uh, rebranded the uh, myself as Jimmy Chill, that might be too aggressive. But if we aren't freaking out about the coronavirus on Monday, we are going to be able to focus on something positive. And that, I think, is going to be the earnings from D.R. Horton. This is America's largest builder. And it, all the homeowners have been hurt by uh, declining interest rates. The rest of the industry has seen a major pickup. But ever since the Fed cut, you know what? I bet D.R. Horton's going to say the same thing. And if we have any sort of uh, con- control over the, vi- the virus, uh, say Sunday night, Monday, this one could go higher. And it could take the whole group with it. On Tuesday, huge day, United Technologies reports. And we're going to get an update on both China, where they have a gigantic business, especially Otis Elevators, okay, and the uh, Boeing 737 Max Woes. CEO Greg Hayes has a fantastic track record. He, he is, talk about transparent, he is that. Uh, maybe we buy some United Technologies on Monday if we have a coronavirus-based sell-off. I want to hear also how the Raytheon merger is progressing. Can 3M finally break the curse of environmental issues and sustain weakness in a bunch of different businesses, including China? Let me put it this way. I think many of the negatives are finally being baked in, but the positives haven't been, have been obscured by this chemical, the, the water contamination, which we know is just horrendous. Now, I bet you're going to see some of the more positives, clearly, but I'm not jumping up and down about this one. You know who has the best chance of reporting an upside surprise? Stock I don't talk about nearly enough, and that's HCA Healthcare. Hospital chain. It is a delivery machine, and you have my blessing to buy it for a trade if the market goes down on Monday. Uh, after the close on Tuesday, we hear from the most important company on earth, 
Yes, we hear from Apple, which I told you dominates all indices now. As Apple goes, so goes this market. And lately, Apple's been unstoppable, but there's a problem. I worry that it's run, well, let's say it's been too much. I've seen many high-flying stocks go lower on even the greatest of numbers. I'm expecting to pick up an Apple service revenue stream, and I want to hear management's appraisal of the lifetime value of its extremely satisfied customers. We need that number. When someone buys an Apple iPhone, what can they be counting on to buy after? All those different streams of revenue. I expect there's a chance this stock can keep climbing, if they explain it the way I'd like. But everybody knows the iPhone 11 is doing well, so we need to see some positive guidance, too. If management is all circumspect, then I do believe the stock could get hit. That's why I recommend waiting if you don't already own Apple. No, I'm not changing my view to own Apple and not trade it. I'm just saying, let's maybe wait for a better entry point. Okay, we're also going to hear from AMD talk about better entry points. This is another one that's rallied dramatically. Can CEO Lisa Sue keep the AMD train running? She is the greatest turnaround artist of our generation, but she'll need to deliver spectacular results if this stock is going to stay where it is. AMD has advanced endlessly on every piece of good news, even good news from Intel, which was a great quarter last night. Their business at Intel and at AMD is on fire. But the last time this company reported, well, she delivered a great number. And yet, you know what? The stock did next to nothing, even dropped intraday. I told you to buy it then, hand over fist. AMD's now rebounded to 52. Good call. Ultimate great expectation story now, though, Mrs. Haversham. So steal yourself uh, if it initially performs like it did last time and give you a head fake that it was down let the stock come to you. Can Starbucks take out its old high? Last time it reported an inline result, and then the stock sold off when it had a conference and said some things that were regarded as being slowing. But then we spoke to Kevin Johnson at the Air Force Academy, and he told us a much more bullish story. Since then, the stock's gained 10 bucks. The only fly in the ointment? Coronavirus. Now, if you're barricaded in your house, you won't be going out for a triple vent opportunity with skin wet anytime soon. On Wednesday, we find out how bad things really are from Boeing. Or how good? We don't know. But we're going to get it from the horse's mouth. This will be David Calhoun's first earnings call as CEO. Now, we got a very positive prelude with this 1 o'clock conference call the other day. But what I really care about is the cash flow. It's one thing to say they're just going to stand by the dividend. It's another thing to actually have the cash flow to back up that dividend. I also want to hear what happens in terms of borrowings if things don't go as planned with the 737 max. Most important, though. Uh, Let's not bury the lead. Boeing got some late-day good news for once that the FAA may approve the max fly sooner than expected. A story that turned around the stock and also the entire market. It is very encouraging to hear that the FAA is pleased with anything Boeing does. We are from General Electric, too. And a bunch of analysts are warming up to this one. Uh, Sure, Obviously, it's got some of the largest problems, long-term care and an ailing power business let's say, uh, under control. They have 737 Max business, but one of Boeing's biggest critics pointed out that the stoppage might actually be good for GE's earnings, who's a booster service business. I like CEO Larry Cole very much, and I believe a turnaround is happening this year, although not necessarily this quarter, because he's never set us up like that. Now, after the close Wednesday, we have Facebook and Microsoft. These are probably two of the best that are going to report this whole quarter. And one of the more bizarre pushbacks after Netflix's fine quarter, I debated actually replacing Netflix with Microsoft. In fact, and that's how much I like this one to give us a whole new acronym. Since it's now Alphabet, not Google, let's see, you got an M, an F, and three A's. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me what you can do with those letters on Twitter at Jim Cramer. Facebook stock has soared here. And it makes perfect sense. I think Instagram has become the single best way for advertisers to reach pretty much anyone. 
supplanting all but Google and maybe even Amazon. It will be hard for Facebook to keep that expectations, but they probably need more capacity everywhere to keep up with high demand. That's a high quality problem, but it does mean more spending. Don't forget Goldman Sachs has its first ever analyst day on Wednesday, and I think it will be beyond illuminating, especially since Apple will have already reported so that they may actually give you a little lift the skirt a little bit on this uh, Apple credit card. This is, I got got $48 I spent yesterday on. This is the new retail-oriented Goldman Sachs that could get a higher price earnings multiple because it will finally be able to explain what's really driving the bottom line, which has been obscured by the old reporting strategy that, by the way, was existed when I was there. Thursday's chock full of opportunities. For instance, Coca-Cola reports, I bet it'll be a great number. This is an interesting stock to buy if we see huge coronavirus-induced declines, and that's a real possibility. Chinese wouldn't be imposing this big quarantine if everything was under control. Next, there's Verizon, perhaps the most owned stock for Mad Money viewers looking for a steady source of income. I expect Verizon to deliver again, and if it doesn't, buy some on weakness. After the close, we get Amazon. They're in spending mode for the same-day delivery and for India, and Wall Street can never seem to get its head around when they're in spending mode. So if Amazon gets hit, gift. You want an upside surprise? You're going to get one from Western Digital because of strong demand for flash memory. It's cheap. It can go higher. Finally, on Friday, well, we hear from both Exxon, Mobil, and Chevron. Few things are more hated than oil right now. Chevron's Mike Worth is an incredibly thoughtful executive who takes climate change incredibly seriously. But at the end of the day, what does he run? A fossil fuel company in a world that's turning against fossil fuels. Millennial money managers, they regard it as a curse word. Bottom line, we've got a huge number of companies reporting next week, but the biggest story by far will be the coronavirus outbreak. I expect it to give us a nice buying opportunity if a high-quality stock gets slammed, and that stock has nothing to do with, the tra- with travel or with China, then use the overall decline to pounce on it. Let's go to Chuck in Tennessee. Chuck! Yes, Jim. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Uh, it's Chuck from Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. You are the card. You are the cardinal stocks. All right. I have a large. I have a large position in Walmart. I've had it for about fourteen months. However, in the last fifty-two weeks, it's down about fourteen points. I know it trades next month. Do you think it can get, gain some traction? What's I think Walmart's fine. I think Doug McMillan has done amazing things. I think the stock is an up stock overall. I also think it's not really levered to what's happening uh, in, in, with the coronavirus. Uh, I'm actually tempted. I was actually tempted to recommend the stock. I want to see a little bit more decline because it's such a big part of the market. It may come down just because of the corona. Let's go to Dominic in California. Dominic. Hi, my grandson has a question for you. Sure, man. Booyah, Kramer. I'm a 14-year-old investor. I really love watching your show. Today I'm calling about a stock paying a $12 special dividend with an ex-dividend date of January 23rd, which was yesterday, and a pay date of January 31st. I picked up a lot of shares a few weeks ago, and I'm wondering if I should buy more or take more. No, no, no. Uh, Rick Hill ran that company. Remember I said that no. Rick Hill was charmed, that everything he touched is going to be good. I had a corporate governance conference where he said this was going to be great, and he made it great. And now he's done. But he walked me through the Norton Life Lock, and it was extraordinarily good. Don't sell. We're buyers. Lots of earnings next week, okay? But they'll matter less than the coronavirus. If you get a sell-off because of this exogenous event, though, I don't want you to fear it, because it will ultimately be a buying opportunity, because this will be solved. 
but not until the Chinese are more forthcoming. Well, Mid Money tonight, who is the winner in the banking sector? Well, it's going to shock you. I've got one, and that group is rolling over. Then, L Brands was the fifth worst performing stock in the entire SP 500 last year. But what if the four upgrades so far in this young part of 2020 signal for the stock? I got to take a closer look. And it's a stock up over 600% in less than three and a half years. I'll reveal the name and what you should do when I turn to my homework. Stay with me. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Some bonds last a lifetime. Some bonds inspire confidence. And some you grow to rely on. These are the bonds worth investing in. For nearly 50 years, PIMCO has reinvented fixed income to create opportunities for investors in every market environment. So no matter what happens, you can build the bonds that mean the most to you. PIMCO, a global leader in active fixed income. Learn more at PIMCO.com bonds. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Consult your investment professional before investing. and tired of overvalued stocks, and this would be a great time uh, uh, to buy maybe a bank stock, a group that sold off hard, even though most of these companies reported fantastic earnings. J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, they all are being hammered mercilessly here. By the way, it's not a good time for the overall market. But I want to focus on a particular bank stock tonight. I want to focus on FHN, First Horizon. That's that Memphis-based regional bank run by Brian Jordan, whom we spoke to just last night. And after what I heard, I think it's ridiculous how cheap this stock is. If you don't know First Horizon, you should watch more often. Right now, there's this bizarre dichotomy going on where most banks, especially the regionals, are valued like no-growth entities that are withering on the vine. Meanwhile, the financial technology stocks like a MasterCard, my Chapel Trust owns it, I like it, Visa, Square, PayPal, even Fleetcore get much higher valuations. No matter what First Horizon does, it just seems like this market has no taste for a well-run regional bank with a 3.4% yield that happens to operate in some of the fastest-growing regions in America and does it cautiously and well. So I say forget that Verizon's a bank. Let's do this. Why don't we consider a utility for a second, one that grows at a 22% compounded clip over the past five years. In that time, First Horizon has more than doubled its dividend. The company has a counter-cyclical book of business, meaning it has very little economic sensitivity to worry about. It has low loan losses. Its net interest margin didn't go down when the Federal Reserve cut rates. That's a total rarity because they saw it coming. We talked about that last night. Even better, First Horizon's in Memphis. Do you know that's the hottest banking market in America right now? Tennessee in particular has caught fire since tax reform killed the state and local tax, tax deduction making it more expensive to live in high-tech states like New York or New Jersey or Illinois. Now, First Horizon is taking over Iberia Bank, ostensibly a merger of equals. But there's no question that Brian Jordan will be running the show at that combined entity. Iberia gives them exposure to another high-quality area that we love because, you know, we know that LNG area. We know all the exports that are coming. Yeah, Louisiana. Could you some Texas, too. Small, but in the right spot. Uh, and they picked up some divested SunTrust and BBT branches in, in Virginia, North Carolina, and Georgia. And they already had a solid footprint in Florida. All right, that gives Horizon right here. This is pretty much maybe the best area in the entire country to be a banker at. 
Contrast that with an actual utility that we really like very much, American Electric Power, the largest transmission network in the United States. AAP has a 6% five-year growth rate. It has a 2.7% yield. They're dramatically lower than First Horizon. Uh, It's unlikely that it can buy another utility to boost its growth the way these guys did. Its stock is very sensitive to interest rates, and it's expensive. It sells at 23 times earnings. First Horizon sells for just nine times earnings. Now, tell me, in what world does that make sense? Only in the madhouse it is the stock market. The problem here, First Horizon trades with the rest of the accursed regional banks, in large part because the ETFs have taken over, so one bank simply can't distinguish itself from another. On top of that, the market is overly in love with financial technology and overly disgusted by the regional banks. Plus, unlike any other industry, the regionals get zero credit for their faster growth relative to the rest of the financials. In other words, Brian Jordan, one of the best bankers in America, simply cannot distinguish himself in the eyes of the stock market. To most money managers, he's just another banker. We wouldn't put just another banker on this show, believe me. Can you take advantage of this anomaly? At one point, I thought the market would change its stripes. I was wrong. Not anymore. Jordan can't take First Horizon private either. It's probably too big to be acquired by another bank, except the uh, the majors. And then the majors, uh, the regulators would step in to block that. You know, the only way I think that First Horizon can stand out is to pay a much higher dividend. But for all that, uh, Brian would have to sacrifice some of the growth that would make the stock appealing in any other market. Given that growth-oriented investors aren't biting here, it might be the right thing to do. Still, the key here is that you need to stop fretting about how the market's overpriced and start looking for anomalies, anomalies like First Horizon, that are way, 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 way too cheap because there are more First Horizons out there than you think. Stick with me. Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus, special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Graham Bunn. So excited to introduce you to Country Shine, where we're talking all things country music. That's right. And I'm Cameron Irwin, co-host and resident country girl at Tinseltown, here to welcome you to the family. Every Tuesday, we'll update you on the latest in country music, culture, and community. And on Fridays, I'll bring on country musicians and all the biggest names in the game. It's a gathering, and we want you here. You can listen to Country Shine with me, Graham Bunn, for free right here on Spotify. A funny thing happened over the last few weeks. The analyst community has fallen in love with one of 2019's biggest losers, a company called L Brands. Okay, that's the parent of Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works. This thing was the fifth worst performer in the S&P 500 last year, down more than 29% during a period where the S&P gained 29%. L Brands is exactly the kind of mall-based retailer that is mightily struggling in the recent years. Same store sales, they are atrocious. The future looks grim. The CEO, Leslie Wexner, who'd been a fabulous moneymaker long-term, has really faltered of late, kind of lost the touch. He's got this very distracting connection to the late Jeffrey Epstein. Yet so far this month, the stock's been on a roll. It is caught not one, not two, not three, but four upgrades right now, including a rare sell to buy double upgrade from Barclays yesterday. That brought me to thinking we got to look into what's happening here. 
I mean, what is going on? First, got to understand why these upgrades really caught me by surprise. See, L Brands is practically a disaster area. Stocks plunged from $98 in 2015 down to 20 and change today. They have a major presence in shopping malls all over the country, especially Victoria's Secret. So the steady decline of the mall has crushed them. Okay? Their location is bad. We've seen this story before. Mall-based retailer can't adapt to the new e-commerce-based world. Rarely ends well. But it, it's not just that. It, it's not just the location problem. Companies also made some serious blunders over the, over the years. Do you know that as recently as two years ago, management was openly shunning digital expansion strategies, with CEO Les Waxner defiantly predicting that America's obsession with their smartphones would fade away. That was an unbelievably bad call. Worst of all, over the past two or three years, the Victoria's Secret brand, it just collapsed. They're already struggling, but things have gotten much, 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 much worse. I, I think it, it just doesn't really fit in the current zeitgeist. Maybe that's why they canceled their annual fashion show last year. Well, remember how hot that was? Like all the guys at Wall Street would sit around the terminals. Really pathetic. Meanwhile, there's a ton of new competition, especially from companies that were designed to operate online, like Third Love, True and Company, Trust, that's with two T's, and Nix, among others. I'm not all that familiar with those, but my Cracker Jack staff has filled me in that that's right. Of course, this has been going on for a long time. But management's attempts to turn things around, they've repeatedly failed. Hey, in the fall of 2018, L Brands sold off La Senza, their Canadian lingerie business, for $700 million. That's good money. Then they fired the CEO of Victoria's Secret. Then they blindsided many investors by cutting the dividend in half. I didn't like that. In response, the stock got eviscerated. Since then, L Brands keeps reporting disappointing numbers, especially from Victoria's Secret. Although it's worth noting that Bath and Body Works, which I like to shop at, by the way, is doing very well. Still, the overall business, though, is a dog. So you got to ask yourself, where are all these <laughs> bullish analysts coming from? All right, I think the bulls, they may prove to be ill-advised, but they do have a thesis. They've got a thesis. See, 10 months ago, an activist hedge fund I know called uh, Barrington Capital uh, got involved. They sent a letter to Les Wexner demanding some major changes to unlock shareholder value. They've done many of these. In response, the company appointed a couple of new directors, recommended some corporate governance reforms, and brought Barrington in as an advisor. That prevented a proxy fight, at least for the time being. Then L. Brands reported a better than fear quarter last May. Stock rebounded to the high 20s. Although the analysts were quick to point out these results were powered by heavy promotional activity. They were giving out incredibly deep discounts to get people in the stores, clear the inventory. By August, L. Brands was able to deliver a bottom line beat. But the same store sales were horrific, down 4%. And management's guidance for the next quarter was terrifying. So the stock got slammed. In September, management held an analyst meeting that a lot of people were very excited about. Landed with a dud. After that, though, the stock started bouncing. In November, the company reported some better than feared numbers. But when you drill down, the quarter still had a lot of problems. And the most recent results reported two weeks ago, they were downright disappointing. L Brands did not have a good holiday season. Same store sales down 2%, although we've seen other guys have pretty bad numbers, too. Coals, C-O-A-L-S? No, K-O-H-L-S. Now, still, the Bath and Body Works business has been remarkably uh, consistent. Maybe even resilient is a better word. If you could own that separately from Victoria's Secret, I think it would be a great stock. No wonder the activists at Barrington originally urged management just to break up the business. I think Bath and Body Works is thriving because it appeals to the millennial love for self-care. This is a brand that's now as in as Victoria's Secret is very much out. I want to own a standalone Bath and Body Works, but we don't have one. Which brings me to the bookcase. On January 3rd, Bank of America kicked things off, upgrading L brands to buy and raising the price target from 21 to 25. 
their argument. They say Bath & Body Works is the best-in-class asset, and they believe management has a lot of different opportunities to unlock value. I totally agree with that. In particular, they're hoping for a Bath & Body Works spinoff. I agree with that. As for Victoria's Secret, uh, that could be a very positive, be a positive catalyst, too, if it gets so bad that management has to completely rethink the brand. Next, on January 10, Deutsche Bank, they took out brands from Hold Dubai, even as they cut their earnings messages in the wake of a not-so-high holiday sales report. Now, this was one of those outright, it is so bad that it's good call. As they see it, the weak results make a breakup more likely. They also point out that the standstill agreement with that activist firm I mentioned, Barrington, it expires next month, so they can start pushing for a split. I think that that's very important to the zeitgeist of the analysts. This past Tuesday, KeyBank upgraded L Brands from equal weight to overweight. Their argument may sound familiar. Quote, we believe that the stark differential in performance between Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works and lack of any discernible turnaround at Victoria's Secret makes a value-creating transaction more likely. End quote. Finally, and this was the one that I just said, all right, all right, all right, come on, let's do a piece on this. Barclays came out with a coveted double upgrade yesterday. That's when you get a sell directly to a buy, don't go to hold, do not pass go. And they're making the same case as everybody else. I mean, here's how we, they put it. And I'm going to quote, we believe change is afoot. While we cannot be certain what form change will take, what we can say is the status quo is not an option, end quote. And look, I get where they're coming from. L Brands appears to be cheap, trading at nine times earnings. They don't need to get much right for the stock to roar higher. And, and a spinoff to unlock the value of Bath & Body Works would be a home run. I do think someone is in the, something is in the works here, or you wouldn't get such a flurry of upgrades. It just doesn't happen. But here's the problem. Turnarounds take time, and you can lose a fortune while you're waiting for an intractable management to do the right thing. Even then, I don't think it'll happen overnight. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's another dividend cut, because the pain from Victoria's Secret is so severe. If it gets any worse, I think the business will be losing L. Rand's money. Of course, If you're going to bet on a turnaround, you have to get in early before there's any significant evidence that things are getting better. But considering the recent track record of L Brands, at this point, after all these upgrades, I'm a tad wary about jumping on the bullish bandwagon. These analysts are rushing to upgrade the stock at this point seem, I don't know, after the run? Let's call it overzealous. The bottom line. Now, if you really want to bet on a comeback at L Brands, I'll bless it after all these upgrades. But just remember, turnarounds uh, can be very tough. And please, 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 only buy this one gradually. Or, you know, we got this thing, Options Action, the show. You, maybe you want to do it with calls. And I don't recommend calls at all, but at least your downside's protected. But you know what? If you really want to buy a turnaround, could you go back to the one that I've been recommending since, I don't know, 13? Could you go back to Bed, Bath, and Beyond? Now, that's another struggling retail that's much further along in its turn and has a clear flight path and better management to steer it there. B, 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 Y. Okay, let's go to Charles in New York. Charles. Hey, Jim. I was wondering if this is a good time to get into the gap. They just decided they don't want to spin out Old Navy. Is it a good entry point here? You know, I looked at it. I did a lot of work on it. My problem is, once again, why would you buy a faltering retailer that has an existential crisis? We have too many stores in this country, okay? Some of the too many, too many stores are L brands. Another part of the too many stores are Gap. Now, I went to Gap. I did a thorough deep dive of Gap when I was in San Francisco, because that's where it's from. And you know what? I bought a lot of jeans. I bought a lot of shirts. And it was expensive. And no one said a thing about it. And they looked at it. It was like, yeah. And I just feel like it's like, yeah. I mean, you got to get more than, yeah. 
I mean, I'm looking at my protective producer, Regina Gilgan. I spent a fortune to get. Did she ever say, wow, wow, Jimmy Chill, you look good? No, nothing, nada. I wish I hadn't spent the money. I should have washed the jeans I had. Jay, yeah, there you go. What did she say? Nothing. 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 Rien, as they say in France. Jason in Pennsylvania. Jason. Hey, Jim. Jason, long-time viewer, first-time caller here. Good. My question is about Target. Uh, this year, they've given up about 15 points as the market's up 3%. The other day, I was going to buy them at, at the dip. Uh, after looking at their three-month chart. But then I pulled up their six-month chart, Ray. I was getting ready to buy it, and I saw your classic head and shoulders chart. Oh, yeah. No, man, listen to me. Listen to me, Jason, 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 listen to me. That was bad, what happened at Target. Brian Cornell, who is a good guy, has to come on Mad Money and explain a little more how this was the second Christmas in a row that we wouldn't care for. And by the way, this was a major gaffe. This was not a little miss. This was a major gaffe. I want Brian on the show. Why? Because he was kind enough to admit, listen, I didn't do it right. Walk us through it, Brian. Let us go to that fabulous store you have on Flatbush Bush Avenue in Brooklyn and lay out the case about why it's okay to be in Target. Because right now, I don't have one. I'd rather see you in Home Depot or Walmart. All right, now the analysts are suddenly in love with this thing, this L Brands. And it's got some decent things, but you know what? The main thing is it's got to break up. And then I don't even know what's going to happen. Uh, I, look, a turnaround is really hard. So if you want to do it by gradually, I prefer to do it in calls. Remember, I'm not saying no to this. I'm just saying we're a little late. All right, much more mad money ahead. School's back in session. I'm turning in tonight's homework, and it could make you money. There's a real good stock that Lauren recommended. By that way, that's one with a W. It's A-L-W, like the law. Then, does your portfolio have what it takes to handle the unknowns in the market? You know, let me be the judge. We're going to play the most popular game. I've been playing it now for, you know, 19 years, and it's called MI Diversify. I mean, MI Diversify. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the lightning round. She never looked at the gap clothes I bought, and I spent two hundred dollars. Stay with Kramer. One of my New Year's resolutions for 2020 was to be better about doing my homework, answering your questions that stumped me in a much more timely manner, be more effective. So I want to highlight a pair of names that I got asked about on January 7th. First, Lauren in Connecticut wanted to know about Everbridge, and the symbol there is EVBG. I said I'd circle back to this one after doing more research. Now, this is a cloud-based software company. It's been a fabulous long-term performer since it came public in 2016. Now, Everbridge IPO'd at just 12 bucks. Now it's close to $90. That's why we have to stay focused on some of these IPOs. Of course, it, it got hammered with the rest of the cloud plays when they went out of style in the summer. Then it came roaring right back with the rest of the industry in the fall. I mean, that's good money. It's easy to see why Lauren likes this one. Everbridge makes critical event management. Now, what is this? Critical event management software. Basically, they help organizations respond rapidly to emergencies, both to keep people safe and to keep their businesses running under adverse conditions. When something horrible happens, say a terrorist attack or a natural disaster, Everbridge's clients can use the platform to keep in touch with employees, with uh, customers, and business partners. They're the leading player in this business, serving eight of the 10 largest cities in the United States. 
That's pretty fantastic. Now, we actually covered this one homework item about 10 months ago. I, I told you to wait for a pullback and then pounce because the fundamentals, fundamentals were very strong. But the stock had run up substantially. A few months later, you got your buying opportunity. Sometimes you just have to wait. But I say, listen, I, I, I want to wait for a lower price. I mean it. You got your lower price. It, you know, maybe it would never go back down otherwise, but I want you to wait for the sweet spot. That's a hanging curve. So what do we do with Everbridge now, though? Okay, since the last time we did a deep dive on this one, Everbridge has reported three terrific quarters in a row. Their growth rate has moderated just a touch, slowing from 40% to 35%. That's still pretty robust. On the plus side, Everbridge is finally nearing profitability. They've been reporting positive earnings uh, before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. I don't really care for those. I like actual earnings. That's been happening since the second quarter of last year. And they're expected to generate positive earnings per share the next time they report. They also brought a new CEO, a guy named David Meredith, who has a long history in the data center space. Most recently, he served as the chief operating officer at Rackspace, and that's a cloud infrastructure services company with a great reputation. That decision was really well received when he got the job. Perhaps most important, Everbridge keeps winning important clients who have pedigree and have enough money to take and search anybody and pick the right one. They recently got an expanded role in Florida's hurricane alert system. They're working on the emergency alert program in Los Los Angeles. And get this, Goldman Sachs chose them for all their critical event management software needs. So i got to say, Everbridge remains a very impressive business. How about the stock? Well, even though this thing has run up dramatically, it's actually cheaper, not cheap, but cheaper uh, where it was trading than where it was trading 10 months ago. It's down more than 10 bucks from here. Why? Because the forecasts have gone up and the stock hasn't kept pace. Everbridge now sells for nine times next year's sales estimates and less than eight times the 2020, 2022 numbers. Now, I know you're used to earnings per share. Uh, these really high growth companies can be viewed as sales per share, and it does not mean we're not rigorous. It's still pricey. But the last time we looked, the stock was selling for more than 10 times sales. Plus, it matters to average is on the cusp of profitability. That is reassuring to me. So in my view, Lauren, I like it. I think you buy a small position in this one right here. I just remember that the cloud stocks can be incredibly volatile. They started selling off badly today. If you like Everbridge, here's a, this is a very good chance uh, to buy some, but I bet you'll get a better entry point later this year. Uh, so try to be patient. Oh, and the, uh, the new CEO, Meredith, we'd love to have you on the show to hear more about your business. It sounds like you've got an exciting, well-run company. We need you on Mad Money. Next up. Uh, that same day, Robbie, in my home state of New Jersey, asked me about Iveric Bio, and that's I S E E I C. Well, I see. And I said, I get back to him. This is a tiny development stage biotech company with a white hot stock. Iveric's focused on coming up with new drugs for retinal diseases. I see. With significant unmet needs. Their leading drug, Zemur, is in phase two clinical trials, got multiple potential applications. Uh, they're testing it in both dry age related macular degeneration, very big market, and something called Stargat disease. That's an inherited retinal disease that can cause blindness. I'd never heard of that until I did the research on this. The company's also working on gene therapies, but these are really extremely early. Uh, they're not even in clinical trials yet, so you can't count them. When I look at a stock like Ivar, you know what I say? I say, this is it. I'm late to the party. I have no edge. It's moved. This is a stock that was trading less than a buck last October before exploding to $7 as of today. 
If you caught the move, I say congratulations, ka-ching, ka-ching. What drove this? I've reckoned out some positive data on the lead drug, and, uh, and over the course of three days, the stock surged from $0.93 cents to $3.56. Since then, it's continued to roar, and it might continue to do it even more. But when you're dealing with small speculative stocks like this one, you have to ask yourself, did I miss the move? Conveniently for me, Cowan just initiated coverage on Iverk with an outperform rating and a $15 price target, allowing the stock to rally another 4%. They're big believers in this MR. But man, these analysts at Cowan, they got to have nerves to steel because I'm not comfortable making this kind of recommendation. Iverk is way too small, way too hot, and way too speculative. It's too risky to chase stocks like this, even if they go like this. My discipline says you missed it. If you want to speculate on smaller biotech things, I prefer more established companies. How about that Moderna that we saw that's doing the vaccines in San Francisco? I I like them. Or more conservative, but still care about ICVIs? That's Regeneron. You want to be in that one. It's still real good. Hey, it's okay. You missed it. They have money's back there. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skate, got it. Time for the lightning round. Let's start with Fidel in Florida. Fidel. Hi, Jim. This is Fidel from Miami, Florida. Huge How you doing? Fan and a first time caller. Okay. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Well, I also took the pledge, the pledge invested. So my question is about American Express. Oh, that quarter was beautiful. I mean, the stock I know is up, and I don't want you to chase because I think that uh, somebody's going to say, wait a second, it's too linked to the virus. But wow. And they did it with millennials. Millennials are really signing up 50% of the new cards. So that business is great. There's really no problem. Each state quarter is a good good number. Let's go to um, 10 10 great quarters of 8% or better growth. Let's go to Richard in New Jersey. Richard! Jim, neighbor. A huge booyah and a stay hop from Chatham, New Jersey. Oh, How I got you? Chatham right around the corner. Stone throw. How can I help? Love your show, your energy, your wisdom, and most of all, love how fast you speak, my friend. It's crazy. Thank you. I am actually, I'm actually calling on a stock in Sago, I-N-S-G. Chatham just stopped me. I don't know. I do not know in Sego. Ah, wish I did. Wish I could help. I'm not done. Let's go to Les in North Carolina. Les! Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Les. A uh, long-time listener and a first-time caller. All right. Uh, we're looking to invest a little bit more in the medical sector with Penumbra. That thing is hot as a pistol. You know what I mean? It's like $170 stock that I do not know. It has just been fantastic. I have to do work. I know it's involving strokes, but that's not what you need. You need better than that. I'm going to give you better than that. And we're turning around homework much faster. So uh, Ben Stoto and I are going to huddle on Penumbra. Let's go to John in Massachusetts. John. Yes, good evening, Jim. First time caller, and I really love the show. Oh, thank you. What I'm calling about is I'm a little bit perplexed on Teledyne Technologies. Why? It's terrific. I've liked it for many, many years. Thank you, Lee Cooper, for telling me it's fantastic. It's instrumentation, electronic subsystem. It's just really good stock. I want to own it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. 
like to say this always... <coughs> I have an important programming announcement. I've always wanted to say that. I know this is mad money. I know I am Jimmy Chill. Allow me to break the ice. Well, not Jim, Jim Cramer. It is... Jim, one in a million you are. Great show, been a big fan for many years. I am a rock star. Did you have some behind me? <laughs> yes. Yes. The coronavirus has reared its ugly head on the average today, and with several questions still unanswered, including... Uh, maybe the Chinese would tell us a little more about what's really going on. There's uncertainty that this market can't seem to handle. When you have a threat haunting the market, an existential threat, it is even more of a reminder to make sure you have a portfolio that can be defensive. And one of the main ways to be defensive is through diversification. And that's why we play a fan favorite, M. I diversified. This is where you call me. You tell me your top five holders. I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough, maybe do a little mix up, get it right. So first up, we have a tweet from William on Twitter, who says, hashtag, am I diversified? Apple, Six Flags, Gilead Sciences, Smile Direct Club, and Chewy. My friend, I don't particularly like this portfolio. And I'll tell you why. All right, so first of all, Smile Direct is just a short squeeze at this point. They added some new product. People got excited. Forget it. I do like Chewy. Um, I like it for a great long-term growth. Gilead, I think, is stalled. We got so many other. I mean, why not buy some Abvi? okay? Abvi's better. I met the Gilead guys. They're great guys, okay? And I mean that sincerely, but Abvi's a better stock right here. Six Flags is the real problem. I mean, I, they have the, the China thing didn't come through. The balance sheets in tatters. That must go right now. I mean, now, why don't you go with Starwood Properties? We like that guy, Starwood, that's uh, Barry Sturman. And then Apple, yes, report six week, that's good. So the only one, the only two that I really like is this incredibly speculative Chewy and Apple. Instead of Smile Direct, I don't know. I mean, we've got a lot of good stocks that are, uh, let's say, you know, let's be a little conservative. I like this Clorox right here. You know, remember, they have uh, something that kills all germs, all right? That could come into play. Clorox is the way I would go. Anyway, make those changes, please. Okay, how about um, next up? Oh, we have a tweet from Kristen on Twitter who says, at Mad Money on CBC, at Jim Kramer, Apple, Main Street Capital, Microsoft, Amazon, Store Capital, hashtag MI Diversified. Oh, boy. I, I mean, people are taking too much risk. There's too much risk. All right. All right, so store capital, I want it to be an EPR. They've, EPR has got a better yield, uh, and we've had them on entertaining properties. It's better, same, pretty similar situation. Microsoft, we sat down with Saudi Nadella last week, and I think the stock can go much higher, so we're fine with Microsoft. Main Street's another company. We don't know what's on Main Street. If you take a look at the portfolio, you don't know anything, okay? It's way too risky. Now, you have Apple, which is a stalwart. You have Amazon and Microsoft. Now, a lot of people are going to say these are going to trade together, but they're separate companies. Amazon reports next week. I do not think that Amazon is going to shoot the lights out. Why? Because they're doing same-day delivery, and they're expanding in India. This is a spend quarter. Don't get, don't get down if they don't make the number. The stock is acting as if they won't. There is some Google and, and some Microsoft pressure from Azure. But I'm willing to go with all three, provided that you start getting a, you know, give some little, you know, go with American Launch. Go with Con Ed. 
Hey, go with First Horizon, okay? All right, please make those changes. That's way too risky. Oh, can we go? I know everyone's going to say it. Richard in New York. Richard! Booyah, sir, Jimmy Chill. Jimmy, Jimmy is more chill today than he's been all week. And because my daughter from Spain checked off on it and said she likes how I'm doing Twitter. She says, Dad, you're Jimmy Twill. So I'm okay. That's right. That's all good. Listen, this is a high honor and uh, to present my portfolio okay. to, you, to the Am I Diversified show. Absolutely. And I'm playing long, and thanks to your years of good guidance and clear understanding, these are what I'm left with, happily left with going into my retirement. Okay. And the, the five are Facebook, Netflix, Apple, Boeing, and United Health. You, sir, have game. You've got game. I like this portfolio. Apple, you know, we talked about that reports next week, and obviously the expectations are high. The stocks run. I'm okay with it. I want to own it. I don't want to trade it. Facebook, I've got to tell you, I think they're going to have a monster quarter. I don't even know if they can hide how great it's going to be. And they're doing some good things that I think are making it so that they're no longer public enemy whatever. I think there's good things. Will you stop with the music? I'm not done here. I happen to like the Netflix quarter. Everybody else hated it, but the stock's been straight up since I did. Boeing got some good news from the FAA today saying there could be an approval. And then United Health had a monster quarter. We got a health. We got an aerospace. We got a, uh, a, 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 a social media. We have a great tech company. And we have entertainment. And that's what I want. A little risk, but it's also got some reward. It's not all crazy. Good job. And happy uh, looking forward to your retirement. And by the way, I'm still reeling from the six-year-old who called yesterday. I'm so happy about that. It just made me really happy. And she also tweeted it. So go to my Twitter file. Gina. Shana? Shana. Gianna. All right, Gianna. Giannis, like the box. I don't know. I... Sorry, I'm Jimmy Show. I made a mistake. Okay, stick with Craig. I've traced that all week that this coronavirus is going to hurt our markets. Many people are too blithe and too cavalier. Let's wait till it gets a little more under control or at least peaks. Until then, expect a lot of pressure on the market and be ready for it. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday. Some bonds last a lifetime. Some bonds inspire confidence. And some you grow to rely on. These are the bonds worth investing in. For nearly 50 years, PIMCO has reinvented fixed income to create opportunities for investors in every market environment. So no matter what happens, you can build the bonds that mean the most to you. PIMCO, a global leader in active fixed income. Learn more at PIMCO.com bonds. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Consult your investment professional before investing.